Hi, everyone, and welcome to Workplace 2.0, Tango's podcast about all things corporate real estate. Recently, we held our annual Workplace 2.0 Summit, which was chock full of great roundtable discussions and presentations by industry leaders about the return to the office and hybrid work moving forward. We've packaged some of the best sessions as podcasts for those who are more on the go. And if you're interested in listening or watching additional sessions, check out this episode's show notes for details. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our final roundtable of Workplace 2.0, IoT, the key to hybrid workplace utilization. It's a great roundtable that we've organized today around IoT's role in corporate real estate and the great potential it holds to address some of the more pressing use cases that the hybrid workplace uh, has presented. Uh, Joining me today are several leaders from both the device and the advisory side of uh, IoT. Uh, so on the sensor side, I'd like to welcome Chris uh, Keene from VergeSense. Thanks, Chris, for, for joining us. Um, we have Marty, uh, excuse me, just sticking on the sensor side, Reed, uh, uh, joining us from Enlighted. And then we have Marty uh, from Accenture and the uh, Connected Buildings uh, group. So why don't, I'll let you guys each go around, introduce yourself, provide a little bit of background on your organization, your role, and, and what you guys are doing in the marketplace. So uh, Chris, why don't we kick off with you? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. So my name is Chris Keen. As Bart said, I'm head of channel sales at VergeSense. Um, and my role is essentially to work with a lot of our different uh, partners that we have um, that take the data that come from VergeSense's occupancy sensors um, and then enable some sort of an action or an output in those other systems. So what we have is Uh, these ceiling mounted devices uh, that go up above an area where you'd like to measure how many people are in that area. So you mount them up and then those essentially will count the number of people there. Um, We'll send that data up to the cloud and then we'll aggregate it through some analytics we have on our side, but we'll also feed that data to the likes of of a Tango, um, an HVAC system, anything else that you would wanna feed this occupancy utilization data to, um, to drive again, some sort of a a business outcome or um, enhance employee experience, what have you. All right, Marty? Sure, sure. Thanks, Bart. Thanks, Chris. Um, Again, Marty Newhouse and I lead Connected Buildings for Accenture, uh, which is a, a practice tied to our real estate and workplace solutions team. Um, I'll I'll start by saying that Connected Buildings, as Accenture defines it, is really, um, it's it's a capability that addresses a a full range of value propositions related to leveraging IoT in the built environment. So that um, spans the whole spectrum, ranging from energy, um, managing down the the cost of uh, energy and maintenance in facilities, it extends into space and, and how to use some of the data like what Chris was talking, talking about um, to help our clients utilize space and, and make better, smarter, and safer use of space. And it also extends into uh, experience and, and working with clients to create differentiation in, in their spaces, whether that's uh, a workplace or even things like a transit center, an airport, stadium or arena or hospital, what have you. So um, 
yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. Looking forward to the conversation. So over to Reed. Great, thanks Marty, thanks Bart. Uh, happy to be here today. I lead uh, software product management uh, here at Enlighted. Uh, Enlighted is one of the world's largest uh, machine learning IoT platforms for commercial real estate. And so what that means is we sell sensors and software um, that help our users make better decisions uh, based on what people and equipment are doing in their buildings. Um, we, were, we were founded in Silicon Valley about 10 years ago uh, and were acquired by, by Siemens uh, about two years ago. So we really you know, work closely uh, with, with Siemens um, to deliver uh, holistic solutions um, to, to your smart building needs. Fantastic. Welcome, welcome, everybody. I'm going to stop sharing here so we can get the full view of everybody uh, on the screen, um, which we've heard is a better experience for our attendees. Um, I'd like to start out with some general questions and we can move into some other topic areas. Um, the first one, you know, relates to kind of the loaded term of Internet of Things. And I think Marty alluded to this a little bit. It's got a even within the built environment, it's got a broad uh, definition. Uh, the majority of our attendees are on the kind of the corporate occupier office side uh, of things. So uh, maybe uh, we can start with uh, Marty, with you. What are, you know, what is IoT in that context and, and how is it typically used? Yeah, uh, what I would say there is that IoT is that category of technology which can be applied in the built environment to uh, bring about, you know, what I'll call connected solutions. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a category of technology that allows you to, to move beyond uh, point in time assessments, point in time exercises, and to really get to a point where you can keep your finger on the pulse of your space, and your assets, uh, you know, your equipment, and, uh, and get real time feedback. And, you know, that opens up, you know, a whole world of possibilities. Um, so, that's, that's more of a high level um, you know, answer without getting into the, the guts of the technology, but that's really, I think, the crux of it uh, from my view. Absolutely, Any, anything to add, Reed or Chris? You know, I think that's a, that was a pretty comprehensive solution. Uh, I think the one thing I'd add is, is that, you know, one of the things that, that's core to our IoT solution is, and, and I see this, in general in the market is the ability to uh, connect both ways. So it's not just getting data about what's going on in the building, but also you know, pushing updates to devices um, so that you're continuously improving those devices and improving their capabilities over, over time. And that's, that's kind of core to um, IoT is that these devices are upgradable over time. Absolutely. Um, so what are the components that make up an IoT solution in a corporate real estate environment? I know, Marty, you wisely corrected me when I went right to the sensor side when we were prepping for this call. Uh, it's a lot more than just sensors. Uh, what, is, what are the kind of bigger building blocks of the IoT solution in a corporate real estate environment? Yeah, sure. Um, um, well, you know, IoT typically... Um, is a, is, a, is a technology that lives at the edge, so to speak. Um, so it's, it's really where your, 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 your assets are 
Um, from that point, you know, the IoT devices and sensors are going to provide data and information, and that has to go somewhere. So uh, typically, the IoT technology exists as part of a, a whole solution stack, and you know, you you, and that would include things like networking, network and communications, uh, you know, layers. Um, you would uh, you would also have platform middleware. Uh, solutions, and that would be a kind of a software that is able to aggregate, normalize, and orchestrate data um, so that it can be analyzed and used for a whole variety of purposes. Um, additionally, there would also be a category of software too that um, is typically where the user interfaces with the information. And, and, and so, you know, there can be a whole host of applications. Um, I should also call out that there's typically with the IoT technology, which is at the edge, you know, there's part of what I talked about, which is, you know, in the, in the cloud. And you, you, you can see different manifestations of solutions that emphasize, you know, more intelligence, more processing at the edge, in other cases, more at the cloud. And, 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 and there's different reasons why you would pursue one versus the other. But, um, you know, I, I think those are, some of the key components that go into a solution, uh, you know, that involve IoT. You you really can't have IoT without those other uh, those other elements. And when when we talk with our clients about you know IoT, um, you know, typically um, there's work to do on architecting and defining what the overall solution should look like, and you know what's the right footprint of a solution to address the, you know, the, the client or customer problem um, and, and, and respect some of the constraints and considerations of their context. Um, so that's, you know, that's, there's, there's a, a fair amount um, that we keep, keep busy with related to answering those kinds of questions. Yeah, and I know Chris, on the, uh, the sensor side, and I'm sure this is also in Reed's organization, you guys are kind of going upstream, right? So you're not just providing the actual sensors themselves, but you're moving up into some of the other layers that Marty was calling out. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that? Sure. Yeah, so as, as Marty was speaking about, I mean, there's the data collection aspect, which is usually done at the edge for IoT. Um, then there's data aggregation. Um, which was normally reviewed purely by corporate real estate administrators, um, at least in a, kind of a historical sense. But now more and more, the data that's coming from those devices is also going to end user employees. So there's that other layer of software now that, that tends to be a requirement for the productivity, employee experience, use cases. Um, so what I think every company really in the IoT space is trying to do is not just be that hardware vendor any longer, right? Just data collection, because there's this realization that you can only go so far selling a, a, a mousetrap um, to groups of people. If they don't understand how the data is supposed to be used in action, then it's, it's very hard for them to realize the value and downstream be able to prove to their higher ups that these are required um, in order to lease more space or make some sort of real estate decision. So there is a lot of focus in our organization at, at VergeSense around those analytics, how we can build better integrations that are more meaningful, more impactful, 
so that those other systems can then take our data and, and action something over there. Yeah, and, and you know, I know us here at Tango, um, we're one of those systems, right? So kind of an IWMS or workplace system that can consume it and use it in a facilities maintenance context, in, in a space management context. And I read, we've talked with you guys about that as well. You have, you know, both, I think your organizations are starting to move up into some of the more of the software side of things, the analytics and, and whatnot. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you guys provide in that area? Sure. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, it, it depends a little bit on the customer. And, and to Marty's point, we really are tailoring um, how we deliver the data to the customer's needs. So in some cases, we have our own um, real estate uh, visualization application called Space. Um, that allows you to uh, visualize how uh, people are, are utilizing spaces in your real estate portfolio. Um, in increasingly, though, you know, we're also integrating with IWMS uh, software, integrated workplace management software, um, getting the data into that where, where there's additional data complementing our IoT data, such as, you know, real estate costs in different markets, uh, et cetera. And then other... Um, more, more generic like business intelligence tools, whether it's Tableau or Looker or Power BI, so that um, it's really easy for uh, our users to take the, the data that we're, we're providing from our IoT solution and combine it with other data that they might have in their organization um, to, make, to make decisions based on the, the larger set of, of data. And then, you know, much to Chris's point, also then um, delivering apps to end users so that they can make sort of day-to-day -day decisions about what spaces they want to go to and, and use that particular day. Uh, so one of the things uh, that we run into a lot as it relates to IoT is the investment side of it. Um, you know, depending on the type of sensors you're investing in, and a lot of companies are investing in a diverse set of sensors, there's a certain cost profile and you, and you look at that versus square footage of some of these uh, corporate portfolios. Um, is there any threshold or characteristics of an organization that make it more uh, suitable for investments in IoT? Or can any size company uh, really benefit from this from an ROI perspective? And I'll just throw that one in the ring. <laughs> I'll take a crack at that first. <laughs> so I think historically, um, with space management systems in general or space management as a category, your larger organizations, the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 have, have tended to spend more money um, on that function just simply because they have more space and generally that space happens to be in really expensive metropolitan areas. So as a generalization, I would say that a lot of Fortune 1000 companies are interested in this um, to drive down obviously costs. Um, that said, what has been interesting, I think, in, in the past um, year or so that we've seen with COVID is that there's actually a lot of the mid-market that is, that is quite interested in these technologies as well. Because when you have, and this is just our belief, when you have a very large company, they generally already have a lot of tools to manage. You know, they have an IWMS, they have ServiceNow, they have all these other access control system. So they're able to get some pretty darn good data. They might just want it to be a bit better with, with sensors in certain areas. Whereas a mid-market firm, they might not have an IWMS. They have no idea who's booking space. 
And they've got all these leases that are all sitting in a file in the office that no one's been into in the last year and a half, right? So it, we, we've seen a lot of these smaller organizations starting to say, you know what, for some of our core locations, you know, our, our HQ in the East and our HQ in the West, can we just put in some devices, figure out how many people are coming in and then make a decision, should we darken one of these offices and then potentially sublet it or not? So I think the return, um, that, that companies are seeing obviously is dependent on the organization, but um, you're also seeing big and, and smaller companies alike kind of seeing, seeing the value of, of having some of these IoT devices and analytics. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. I, I think that's exactly right, Chris. Um, what I would say that we see, and it's very consistent with your comments, Chris, is that you know, I think the value of the information that IoT can provide, uh, you know, has only just been magnified because of the pandemic. You know, um, you know, is it worth it to any, you know, any any uh, customer to consider an IoT-based solution? Uh, it depends on the it depends on the return. What's the value you're you're going to get out of it? Um, and 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 really should never pursue IoT or any technology just for the sake of it. Right? It has to support uh, you know, business objective and, you know, the, the investment, you know, has, has to make sense, um, you know, based on the return that you're going to get. What I think we're seeing now is that there's incredible interest in, you know, this information about space, like what Chris and Reed have talked about, because it helps any organization answer these questions about, you know, how are they, how are they using their space? And as people return to the office, what's actually happening, you know, they don't want to be guessing about that. And there's really important decisions that organizations are going to be tied to and locked, locked in, you know, around with respect to their, you know, capital investments in, in real estate. And, you know, the one, the one thing an organization can do to combat that uncertainty is get real data. And, and then, um, you know, you don't have to try and make decisions based on conjecture or, uh, you know, or, or emotions perhaps, and you can have an evidence-based, uh, you know, business decision. And I just think that's, you know, IoT holds great promise for answering a lot of these really pressing questions. And so I think more and more organizations are considering it, so. And Reed, how about you? Is, has COVID, uh, in your opinion, changed the perception of value uh, of IoT? Um, has it increased the appetite investment? I know there's a lot of new solutions coming to market, whether it's you know Salesforce jumping in the game or Facebook jumping in the game or ServiceNow jumping in the game. Some very big players wanting to kind of own the employee side of things. Um, and you know, IoT is an important part of that. What are you seeing? Yeah, and I agree with Chris. I mean, so that's the one thing I'm seeing. What, what Chris is seeing, which is, is there's more interest in in, S, in the S and B market. Um, the other thing I'd say is that it's more an order of ma it's more about magnitude that's changed, right? So the value proposition is is similar to value propositions that were there pre-COVID, but there's just a much there's much more urgency around the need and something that's really prompting it and pushing it to sort of a top three priority for an investment on, on the technology side. Whereas before, you know, it was always there in the background, but, but there was less urgency and less magnitude around the ROI that, that we could provide because before there was, you know, there were rules of thumb, right. That people were using and they were using that 
as a way to um, make up for the fact that they didn't have have data to make better decisions. But now, you know, a lot of those rules of thumb are out the window, right? And so they need they need the data to to make better decisions. So that's that's I think you know what we're seeing. That makes sense. And you know, it kind of brings up a good point. I think you guys have alluded this a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes IoT investments have been you know a solution looking for a problem. So you know, what are some of the wrong reasons that companies are investing in IoT? And then conversely, what are some of the, the right reasons? Um, I'll jump in. And I, and I already spoke about how you don't, you don't want to pursue uh, a technology just for the sake of it. But we do, we do see that happening. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll speak about some things we saw mostly pre-pandemic, um, but, you know, I think it's, there's still lessons in it. Um, we, we encountered uh, clients, prospective clients, oftentimes who had a desire, maybe they, you know, attended a trade show or a session like this, they heard about something great. Wow, I would love to have that. I want to make, you know, the world's most intelligent connected building um, or, or, you know, most connected hospital. We want to lead in, in patient health care. That's our goal. Um, but, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a big difference between saying that and executing it. And, 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 and even there's a big difference uh, in just saying that and then, and then defining it. What does it really mean? Um, so you've got to peel the onion back on those kinds of statements and, um, and, and back up and, and really um, get grounded on a vision. What are you trying to accomplish? What are the you know, business problems or challenges that, that must be addressed. And, you know, you need a solution that specifically addresses that. And, and I think one of the, you know, the hallmarks of field technology initiatives is oftentimes, you know, just, um, you know, um, it, it's not technology which is pursued as a means to an end. It's more technology pursued for some other reason. So, um, you know, kind of generally, that's how I think about it, Bart. As far as what we've seen, yeah, I, I can jump in. That. I guess the way that I think about it is, there's maybe not wrong reasons, but but reasons for which it's really challenging to get a huge ROI. And and what I see is that you know if if a customer is focused on one very specific use case in a very short term, like in a very a small period of time, right? So maybe they're focused on like, yeah, well, well, I mean, if it's, but some organizations are interested in counting people, you know, for the long run and they want to, um, they see that as a long-term optimization of their real estate portfolio. But if it's like, okay, I'm going to have, you know, occupants coming back to my office for a first week and I want to solve some use case just for that week when they're coming back for the first time, well, it's going to be hard to recoup an ROI around that. And so I think, What's really important is that they kind of look at the use cases that they're trying to solve today, but then also like what use cases they might want to solve in the future. And that's going to um, allow them to invest in an IoT solution that's going to provide a sustainable ROI in the, in the long term, you know, and, and that's, that's a, good, a good reason to, to invest. I'll chime in here. So I, um, I agree with both Reed and Reed and Marty. I'll also add, I mean, to me, 
a wrong reason for investing in IoT is technology for the sake of technology. Um, unless, of course, you are a technology company and it's you know part of your brand, you know. But then there's a reason, right? So I, I think that people want to go one, you know, should always think about taking it one step further. I want a connected building. Why do I want a connected building? There's usually a reason there. But when people pitch these up to the sea levels and say, we're building a connected building, sometimes that isn't always translated, right? Like we want a connected building because we believe our employees could be 25% more productive if they have access to all the amenities and space that they need <laughs> as one example. So I think that's where people struggle. There's like the, the use case thing, but then there's also the business driver, the outcomes that you're looking for kind of a whole separate thing. A lot of times people, um, we even do it sometimes as, as uh, sales folks or people in the field, we confuse a use case with a business driver. It's not, not the same. So you, you've got to spend a lot of time trying to figure all that, all that out. Um, so I think that's primarily where, where folks struggle. And then on what Reed said, um, on the timeframes, I do believe that, that there can be unrealistic um, time frame expectations sometimes are also people that have read something or heard something about how you could maybe put in sensors for a week, two weeks, take a snapshot, and then you're off and running, right? You're going to change your space with that one week of data and forever and ever and ever, it's going to be all good, right? But the reality is people change, everything changes, the world changes. That's the whole point of putting these up is if we're continually churning, people leaving the organization, we're shuffling around allocations, it's unassigned seating, all of it is dynamic. So if you keep measuring that and keep getting all of, all of that data, you're gonna find that you're gonna be shifting all the time, not just once every three years when you wanna do a sensor study. So that can be tricky as well, but I think the market um, has, has come to more of an, a realization that these permanent installs are where they wanna go. And then it becomes a matter of, okay, if we're going to do that, let's figure out kind of a rollout schedule of, of how we would do that. So maybe our most strategic, most expensive real estate's gonna get it first, these, these sensors or these IoT devices. And then maybe for our mid-tier where it's a little bit less expensive, maybe some locations that are mostly warehousing, eh, maybe we'll just do Wi-Fi data for all those. And then maybe the lowest tier We'll just think about something that's super low, you know, hanging fruit, like an access control system. So people are starting to figure that out in their minds, how to like parse it out. But I still think the, the not only the use cases, but the business drivers are the most important thing. And the outcomes you're looking to achieve are by far the thing that most people struggle with and, and end up um, not getting these off these projects off the ground properly. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the main one we hear and the one that we're actually working on at Tango is, you know, we believe, and I'm curious if, if it's a common opinion that, you know, hybrid work is largely going to be a, a bigger trend than it's been before, although many of us have been working hybrid for many years. And organizations really don't have an understanding today what that means. You know, they might say, sure, I can put people into three buckets, you know, always in, into two, three days a week or never in, Right. Simply put, and then somewhere there's a distribution of our employees based on personas and, and stuff like that of where they uh, will be coming in and when. But you really don't know until you start flying the ship and you see what's what's going on. So it's a learning phase when we return to the office. 
And in our opinion, the IoT side of things is critical to really understanding how space is being used during this period uh, of change and, and, and whatnot. Is that something you see as a, a common uh, uh, business driver that you're running into in this COVID environment? Bart, yeah. uh, Bart sorry, I was Go ahead, trying to find my mute button, uh, but yes. <laughs> yes, I mean, there's a great point to be made around, you know, um, you know, there's, there's a real importance now or a real desire on the part of um, occupiers of real estate to, to, to be agile um, because of the uncertainty. And, you know, to your, you know, to your question, yes, you know, I mean, it's, there's it, a really strong interest in having information so that you can manage through this. Um, you know, in a, in a prior life, before I started dealing with buildings, I was, I was actually working in supply chain and, um, and in supply chain, when you think about inventory, the way to manage that down is have better visibility, you know, to what's going on all across, you know, all of your nodes. The more you can see what's going on, the better you can react and, and you know, the less stock you need. It, it's the same in, in real estate. Um, if you have better visibility to what's going on, you can, you can manage it better and you, you can be more responsive. And uh, so, it, I mean, again, yes, it's, it's, it's absolutely something that we're seeing. And, and I think it's the right move to really think about this for, for many organizations. Yeah, build, building on that, Marty, I think, you know, one of the things that's a big uncertainty is the balance between bookable spaces and open spaces. And if you think about it, like kind of the way you're thinking about it, Marty with inventory, well, the easy answer would just to say, well, every space you have to book, right? And then I can manage my inventory really easily. But that's not the best user experience because part of the great thing about being in an office is serendipity, right? That, oh, you know, I feel I'm working on this project. I feel like going down and having a coffee and sitting and working on it in the cafe. And if I have to book every single minute of my day, that's not a great, you know, productive occupant experience. And I think that's kind of the, the big uncertainty is what's the right balance between spaces that I need to book and spaces that I providing that visibility to your occupants lives so that, you know, they can navigate those spaces and say, oh, well, there's like no seating right now in the cafeteria. So I'm going to go over to this other quiet area instead or, or whatever, whatever the case may be to really be, you know, optimizing for not just the efficiency of your real estate portfolio, but also the, the occupant experience. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add on to that. I think it's by far the biggest driver we see with people putting in sensors is agile transformation or just uncertainty about how many people are going to come back into the office. Um, so one of the big challenges, as we all know, in corporate real estate years ago, well, it feels like years ago now, was demand forecasting. So the business units are going to tell me how much they're going to grow. And then we know most of that data is going to be inaccurate or they don't use their space well. We didn't have good tools to be able to fight with the business. So we just give them more space. And that's how portfolios just explode. As we all know, we end up with millions and millions of square feet that's just totally empty. Now the big problem is, okay, we've got all these people, uh, you know, 70, 80% of them used to come into offices but now we have no idea how many are going to come back into the offices. So we need some sort of way to handle that. So the easiest way, like Reed said, is, well, I'll set up a booking app. But 
is that really scalable? Um, because people don't want to have to ask for permission. Sure. At, at first, it's going to be convenient and nice. I can pick the area where I want to sit. Oh, great. I get to go by the window. But over time, people are going to say, you know, I don't really feel like booking today. There was plenty of space last week when I went into the office. And then we're going to run into issues where there's overcrowding. And so I think a lot of folks are, are really um, thinking about that and saying, well, how can we make sure that our employees don't get thrown into a, a really poor experience, but also make sure on the real estate side, if, if we need more space, we, we should go and get it, especially in these markets where people seem to be showing up. Um, so that's where, where it gets really interesting. The one last point I'll make is, you know, a lot of um, organizations are struggling with uh, what's called seating ratios too. So, you know, if I'm going to start downsizing, and this is a little bit, I think, further down the line, but some companies have thought about this already. If I'm going to start getting rid of some of my properties so that I have more people than the number of spaces to support them, how can I start saying I want to assign X number of people to Y number of seats? And what does that look like? Is it 200 people to every 100 seats? Is it 300? Is it 400? Is it 500? Without any sort of baseline, it's really hard to make that determination. And it's just more or less finger in the air. Oh, okay, two to one. That's what I heard the architect say. And that's fine to start out with that. But you're going to find that over time, that's going to change. You're going to have to flex more. Sometimes it's going to be less. Sometimes it's going to be more. But you wouldn't know that unless you had the tools to kind of take a look at it. So I think that is what is driving a lot of people towards especially like the the desk seat sensors um, knowing how many seats they've got and and how many employees they can um, they can bring in or, or assign in to come work agreed and bart um i also want to just chime in and say that you know, we've talked a lot about using iot to you know understand how space is being u- utilized but um i, I do want to say that you know there are other applications that you know, we're, we're talking to clients about, and we're seeing some interest in, in a sense, it's, it's similar, but instead of uh, monitoring space, you could be monitoring the condition of assets, you know, in, in all different kinds of ways um, with an eye towards um, deploying janitorial services or, you know, any kind of operations and maintenance activity. And there's just, you know, I, I think there is a tremendous opportunity to move um, facilities management in general away from, uh, you know, schedule-based maintenance and more towards, you know, doing maintenance, providing, you know, cleaning services, what, you know, whatever it may be, where it's needed and when it's needed. And, and um, you know, the, there will be some change that, that's needed to accommodate using technology in this way, um, you know, uh, in, in terms of how do occupiers and, and, and owners you know, inter- interact with and deploy service providers. Um, you know, there may be certain contracts that are structured a certain way today, but yeah. with some of this technology that can be changed and, and we can begin to realize, you know, a lot of value that when we're just, uh, you know, doing these kinds of activities, operations and maintenance based on schedules, uh, we're, we're not getting that value. So I, I think it's just another yeah. area of opportunity and just wanted to mention that. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. Uh, what about a couple of the other areas that we've, we've heard about uh, employee productivity, employee well-being, 
Uh, how can IoT uh, devices and, and data be used to, in, to improve productivity and employee well-being? Yeah, let me, let me take that one because we're working with a, with a customer on that uh, right now. Um, you know, it, it used to be that uh, the, the hot thing was, was air quality sensors and, and detecting carbon dioxide and, and adjusting HVAC based on, you know, how many people, the carbon dioxide levels in a room. Um, there was an interesting study by the Harvard Business School that said that we could drastically improve productivity in meetings if we were proactive and actually adjusting um, the conditioning of spaces in meeting rooms, you know, before the air quality sensors even even detected that there was a, a reduction in carbon dioxide. And so that I think that's a really interesting area where we're using uh, people counting um, to to be proactive about, about conditioning spaces, um, you know, b before, before the air quality sensors even see a, um, uh, see a difference in the air. I, and I also think, you know, tying back to some of the other things that we talked about, um, where we, we were talking about managing uncertainty and, you know, how there's a real strong interest in what space is being used and how is it being used? You know, I, I, getting back to that again, I think there is an opportunity for sort of the curators of space, service coordinators, anyone who's in the position of making decisions around repurposing of space, structuring space, providing amenities. Again, having the information about how is the space actually being used will serve to inform uh, you know, I, we'll serve to inform the space which is provided, which translates into better experiences. You know, so, uh, I, you know, I think some some of the answer for this question, in my mind, Bart, it ties back to, you know, what we talked about earlier as well, uh, just in terms of equipping uh, the providers of space to, to better meet the, the needs and expectations of, of the occupants. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, we're actually exploring the productivity side in the sense of, you know, we have some AI and machine learn, learning based uh, space optimization capabilities that we had prior to the pandemic. And, you know, the calculus on this has changed with the pandemic, but what we're, we're looking to get to is in using IoT data to help from a productivity standpoint and other data such as scheduling data, you know, if you're familiar at all with my analytics from Microsoft, you know, now you can get a Plethora of data about who am I typically meeting with? Is it collaborative time? Is it focus time? And things like that to better understand how work is being done, and then bringing in how how space is being used and trying to bring that together, and then recommend space and 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 the time to use certain space based on what you're trying to achieve, which is a, a productivity boost. So, are, are you guys starting to dabble at all or, or have conversations about that uh, level of of use of the data? Yeah, so I, I, I can comment on that. I think um, we've had a lot more people recently ask us for integrations to O365, GCAL, booking tools, right, to look at things like bookings versus actuals. Now yeah. we've got quite a few people coming to us saying, hey, here's my web conferencing platform. Can we also bring that in and know how many people were, were linked into that meeting virtually versus in the office? So I think there's some really unique stuff that's being done there right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that 
that there, there's those components and then one on the previous point we were making that I think is often overlooked because we, we often talk about employee experience and we think about employees themselves, how they could save time and therefore be more productive. So time savings is usually the most tangible thing that we all can put on paper and say, if every employee saved five minutes, we have this many employees, here's a little salary, the whole thing, right? But I think one that is, is much harder to quantify, but is really interesting, especially if you talk to architects, is if we are figuring out whether or not our space design is working for particular teams in particular regions, for whatever reason, and we can get people wanting to come into that office and actually collaborating and innovating in, in ways that we desire for the company, it's hard to quantify the productivity increase there. Um, but generally, you can feel it in certain spaces where there's just that vibe of everyone is, is kind of all together and they're able to move around and people are hanging out in the kitchen, you know, and that's what everyone wants. Um, but it's hard to put that into an ROI pitch. So that's that's another area. Absolutely. Yeah. I, OK, what I, we haven't I, talked I, about. Sorry, go ahead. I agree with all that. <laughs> go, go ahead, Bart. Sorry. No, I say, um, you know, I wanted to, you know, this this isn't always easy to do, right? Um, it sounds like a great concept, but you have to get from where you are to a system and, and de data. What are some of the bigger technical challenges or business challenges that you're seeing in implementing IoT solutions? Well, you know, I, I think it's top of mind for you know any uh, you know anyone consuming IoT. Uh, solutions and approaches uh, to think about security, right? I, I mean, um, look, if ransomware is is on the rise, uh, ransom, ransomware attacks, I should say. Um, and the flip side of all the benefits that come with things which are which are connected is that everything's connected, and therefore it you know introduces vulnerabilities. So, you know, I, I don't think you can talk about connected solutions in IoT without, um, you know, you know, having an approach for managing the security and, and you need to be proactive about it. You need to be persistent. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it, it can take a lot of real estate and facilities folks out of their comfort zone, really. I mean, it, it's not something that, uh, you know, you know, many in the industry have spend time, you know, in their careers, uh, you know, dealing with, right? And, and, and a lot of the things which are happening now are, you know, there, there's only so many experts on, on cybersecurity, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, I think, um, you know, I think real estate facilities as an industry is, is waking up to this as something that has to be managed and dealt with. And, uh, you know, OT, you know, operational technology, which a lot of you know, the, the equipment and the IoT uh, in buildings kind of fits in that category is converging with IT and that has to be managed. Um, so I, I, I think it's not an inhibitor. Um, I'm not sure I want to call it a challenge, but it's something that, you know, it's got to be addressed, got to be dealt with. Um, and, and you need to, you need to talk about it and acknowledge it up front. That's, you know, that's, that's, that, that's the right starting point. Otherwise you could be you could be vulnerable, so. Right, I, I agree with that 100%, Marty. Marty. Um, I think the other thing that we see as a, as a challenge is not just 
um, security, uh, also privacy. And it's not also just, just privacy itself, but the perception of privacy, right? And so you might be able to make a case to the, to the buyer that, you know, well, um, we're not, we're not, you know, doing image recognition or we're, we're not using video cameras or, or, or whatever, but, you know, what's actually really important is also that the, the occupants don't, don't feel like there are cameras uh, around um, who might not really know the technical details. And so I think, you know, that's really been uh, a driver for some of the technologies that, that, that we've been um, deploying is, is that, that consciousness around how do, how do the occupants feel about, about privacy um, as well. I know Chris, you and I have talked about, you know, the days when people would rip the sensors off the desk because they, they don't want big brother around, you'd find them in garbage cans and stuff like that. So how, how is the privacy angle? How are you, how are you guys talking uh, with uh, prospects and customers about that? Yeah, it's usually a big topic of, of conversation. I mean, I think what we're finding more and more that we like to see is that real estate in a lot of cases has already talked with HR and IT about this project they're embarking on a lot of times when we're approached. And we appreciate that, right? Because um, certainly we won't have to go through as many pains when we're talking about privacy and security and some of the other things. All parties are aware and are aligned on what the, the business goals are. That said, privacy especially can be really challenging um, outside of the US in particular, right? Especially in, in Europe, um, in areas like Germany where you have the German Works Council, which has its whole other set of requirements. Um, there are specific requirements around things like CCTV in certain Scandinavian countries that this or that can't be done. So there's, there's just this dynamic, always changing set of privacy and security requirements. And what we try to do is just make sure that we're able to equip people with enough information up front about, you know, how the sensors work, how they're going to be used, the way the data is created, destroyed, how all the transfers work. Is it encrypted? At what levels is it encrypted? And that just generally makes people a lot more comfortable up front. But then, of course, there's always the, the downstream IT deep dive that you got to go in for a couple hours. Then on the other side, I would say um, we always require that our clients send out change management emails before these things go up. And we'll work with them on those emails. A lot of times they're different based on, on the region or just the uh, particular folks that are in a particular area where sensors are going to get installed. But there must be some sort of communication out to those employees, letting them know that these are going up. Here are the reasons why. Here's what's in it for you. Otherwise, um, you get a situation where those devices could get pulled down. People don't understand the technology and what it's for. And ultimately, they don't know what they're getting out of the deal. So it all has to be kind of an exchange um, amongst all parties to to really drive a better workplace. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit on something that we talked about in a couple sessions over the last several days. Um, and if you think about the consumer data market, you know, with Facebook and Uber Eats and everybody, you know, taking data, there is a conscious trade-off by consumers. They understand, let me start with, they understand the fact that their data is valuable. And in order to give the data, they want something in return. And it's really arguably not any different in a corporate real estate environment or, or an office environment where 
we believe that people will be more willing to pro- let themselves be tracked at a certain level and a certain level of uh, anonymity so that they can have benefit from it. So they can better have space that they need to be more productive and things like that. So hopefully that's, that's going to happen as well uh, as we, as we move forward with this. Um, all right. So we're, we have a couple questions that have come in from uh, the uh, audience and I want to just jump in these, these not necessarily in particular order, but what considerations need to be made before implementing sensors? For example, battery operated versus POE. Does anybody want to jump on that one? I'll take, I'll take that one because it, it kind of circles back to something I said right at the beginning, which is, uh, you know, I think um, battery operated can be great for really short term solutions. Um, what we see is that to make, if, if, if the, the customer is interested in the long run, then a POE solution allows a few things. Like one, it just allows that software up, up, updating. And sometimes that software updating is for more use cases uh, that come along in the future that things we didn't, don't, didn't expect you know, to come along like a pandemic. Um, but it's also security patches, right? And you know, there's constantly new threats um, from the security side and having that ability to continuously um, have the power available to update uh, that software without draining the battery is really important. Um, and then, you know, the, the other thing is, of course, just battery maintenance and, and being able to have to, you know, constantly be, be updating batteries. So I think that's kind of our take on it and why, um, in general, uh, we haven't really, you know, deployed any, any battery-operated sensors. But they have their place, of course. Yeah, I would say, I mean, VergeSense has both. Um, battery powered and wired. We are seeing a lot more people invest in wired now um, since COVID for one reason or another, but I think it has to do with what we talked about earlier, people realizing that a permanent install is, is probably needed, right? But the thing with, with battery powered devices is you do have to keep in mind, you're going to have to change those batteries. I mean, every year and a half, two years, those are going to need to be swapped out. So if you factor that into your operational costs, then it's totally fine. Um, but one thing I will say about batteries that they're great for is a lot of folks who deploy IoT technology want to try it out first on a floor, two floors, three floors. It's very easy to do that with battery technology. It can be more challenging with uh, cables that are up in the ceiling, right, just because you can't fully vet it out. So I think there's there's different situations, um, but in a lot of cases too, one other thing we found interesting is we'll have some clients who want to wire everything, but in a lot of new construction, you've got these beautiful aesthetics up in, up in the ceiling. You don't want to throw those off. So you're going to wire 50, 60, 70%, and then the rest is all going to be battery powered. So you can get the coverage in those areas without having any of those wires. So it all really depends, um, but it, it's all about you know what your infrastructure consists of today, if you have the means to be able to cable more, if you don't. So it's very situational and it, and it, and it depends, I would say. Absolutely. Okay, we have another question, Marty, this might be a good one for you. Uh, is installing Wi-Fi based sensors an option? So you avoid the IoT network and avoid vendor lock-in and security issues. If not, is there a market st- standard for an office IoT network? Maybe uh, Lorea, Bluetooth, or Sigfox. Some some of this is uh, Greek to me, but <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I mean, well, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think Wi-Fi has, has, a, has a place and is part of um, it, you know, it, it's, it's on the spectrum of options and it has its place. Um, you know, Laura, for example, you know, that, <clears throat> you know, that has its applications as well. Typically, you know, you, you have like a distributed campus and, and you need to get information across, uh, you know, like a campus. I, I think with each of these, there are, um, you know, there are applications where, where the technology is suitable, you know, without um, kind of drilling into each one of those. I mean, they, they, they all can make sense and, and they have their place, I suppose. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't say no, you know, don't, don't, don't consider Wi-Fi, um, if that makes sense. Any comment on that, Reed or, or Chris? Not really, agreed with okay. what Mark Well, said, we're yeah. about up at time, so I'm, I'm gonna ask a parting question for each of you. Um, I'm sure a lot of uh, our attendees are, are interested in, you know, IoT. They haven't invested. Where would you, what's your advice on where they should start um, to explore the option and value of an IoT solution for their corporate real estate? I can go first. I would say start with the business problems. What's most pressing? Um, where do you see the biggest issues or opportunities for improvement? And then work your way up to the technology that can help support and solve those problems. I see a lot of people that do the opposite. Hey, these sensor things look really cool. Let's buy some and see if it solves our problem. That generally doesn't work. Um, so most of the time, the people that are really successful with these and have 10,000 plus IoT devices getting huge ROIs, came with some sort of fundamental, here's the problem we're trying to solve. And then after that, they tacked on 10 or 20 other things and areas they're able to use the data for um, so that they can continue to get value out of it. But you have to have at least one or two things you're really trying to, to, um, to solve for or else it will collapse. So that would be my advice. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Let me, oh, go, go ahead, ahead Marty. Well, okay, I was just well, going to add. I was just going. <laughs> I was just going to add on to uh, to what Chris said. You know, I think, um, yeah, yes, yeah, starting with the the business cases is, is super important. Um, I think also one of the things that we see customers get tripped up on is, you know, it's good to start with a pilot, right? So I'm not saying don't start with a pilot. Start with a pilot, but think about that pilot and how it scales across your entire portfolio. And, and what the support costs and maintenance of those are and how scalable it is. Because I think that, that is one of the things we've seen is there are a lot of uh, newcomers to this space in the last uh, couple of years. And it's one thing to do, you know, a pilot on a floor in an office building. It's, it's another thing for that, uh, for a small company to uh, support your, you know, portfolio of hundreds of buildings across the world, right? And so I just think that, you know, having that balance in mind of, yes, we want to do pilot with specific business cases, business cases, but also like, okay, what am I going to do once that pilot is successful? And will that also be successful uh, is, is important to keep in mind. Yeah, uh, I'll come in now. Um, and, and I agree with, with what Chris said and Reed as well. Maybe what I could add to that is, is just to point out that, you know, when, you know, when you have done everything right, 
like, like, like Chris was saying, and you've begun at the right, right, right point where you have a, a well-defined business problem and, 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 and you've identified a good technology solution. Just uh, also keep in mind that with a lot of these IoT solutions, you're involving uh, a number of different stakeholder groups you know, from within your organization, potentially, um, you know, from outside the organization and, and don't, um, you know, don't under, underestimate the importance of getting alignment on, on where you're headed with the solution. So you could be, um, you know, maybe for the first time bringing together HR and IT and, and facilities and, and, and layering in people from security on top of that. And, 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 you know, maybe these folks haven't all gotten in the same canoe and paddled in the past. And, and it's a little bit new. Um, and, and, and that could all be addressed just by anticipating that up front and spending the time on stakeholder alignment that will down the road, down the road pay dividends um, because you, you won't see as many blockers popping up along the way as you pursue an initiative. So, um, you know, again, I agree with the other comments, but just would add that point about stakeholder alignment. Fantastic. Well, we're up at time. I really appreciate uh, Reed, you joining Marty and Chris, a fascinating conversation about IoT. I'm really excited where my world in, in workplace and IWMS technology will deeper connect to uh, IoT. So looking forward to working with all of you as we move forward. And thanks again for joining uh, Workplace 2.0. Thanks for listening to this session from Tango's Workplace 2.0 Summit. For more sessions from the summit, check out the show notes for details.